are two friends going through big changes in our lives, just like so many other people that we know. No matter how happy we are, life is always throwing us a curveball. And we have found that having a friend to talk it through and discover new tools with has been key to figuring out who we are now as we evolve through these life transitions. So join us as we grow and learn and nourish our souls together. together. Hello! Hello, <laughs> Soul Sister Malin! Hello, Jill. I, I, I'm doing my Southern Malin reference today. I, I like that. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. How are you doing, friend? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. You, you are? Know, we are. We had, you know, we had kind of a rough week last week. Yeah. I lost one of my puppies, so that was sad. So check in. Check yeah. in. How you doing? How's how's your body responding to this? Any You know, it's interesting. I you know, I actually started recognizing. I started catching myself. You know how I've talked in past episodes about the fact that I have a tendency to try to run away from my emotions. Mm-hmm. Well, I found myself so I had to put my dog was 13 and a half. She's one of two. I have a, the brother and sister. They were the only two in the litter. And it was very hard. <laughs> this is embarrassing. The next day, I was looking on websites at dogs. Like literally the next day. I do not think that you are the only one that has felt or experienced that at all. Okay. And I realized, though, and I was like, you know, because it makes me get excited. Mm -hmm. And then that replaces the feeling of grief, which is not a bad thing if I have worked through my grief and I'm not using it to mask the grief. Yeah. So anyway, I and I certainly am not trying to equate the loss of a dog to the loss of you know, lost my pair. I've lost both of my parents. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to equate that, but there is, but it does still involve grief. There is still grieving involved. Anyway, it was just interesting because I, I kind of caught myself and I thought, you know, I think maybe we need to back off of this dog search and, uh, and like allow ourselves to feel sad, feel that kind of missing piece. The fact that when I, you know, pull into my house, She's not there, you know, mm -hmm. but Buster, her brother is there, but not her. And, and he's doing okay. Anyway, so it's been, you know, us sad. We've had lots of little things like this. You and I both, little curveballs. Yeah. And when I, we had our soul nourishing book club yes. this past week. And when I came to the house, I, you know, was telling you, I was mindful that you were in that phase of deep disorientation with, oh, my routines are different. And mm -hmm. I think it's... Not that we're not aware when our four-legged children are with us, mm -hmm. how much they right. in some way co-regulate for us. I mean, they're a deep part of our emotional journey on a day-to-day -day basis. But when all of a sudden they're not there, mm -hmm. there is this deep gaping hole of things just feel off. And mm -hmm. I had, you know, I brought I brought Melinda a little candle, you a little did. something to, sweet. you know, just light a candle for Miss Kayla. And mm -hmm. very it's sweet. just making me wonder about i know emotional support dogs are a little bit more in the mainstream these days mm -hmm. at least our acknowledgement and awareness of people uh, having those in their lives mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons right but you know we talked a lot not only about 
regulating our nervous system, but community and the power of touch and deep, meaningful friendships. And I think our animals provide us with more than we realize on a day-to-day basis. There have actually been studies about it, which is why we have these. Tell me about the studies. Well, so, and I don't know, you know, I haven't looked specifically up any recently, but there are studies that show that petting a dog or a cat, petting a pet actually does reduce your cortisol levels, which reduces your stress levels, helps to open up your frontal cortex. It does all the things that so many of the other tools in our toolkits do to help us regulate our emotions, as you were saying. So it's very interesting because pets really do play a super important role for a lot of people and they and there is actually proof that they all the things that you just said really do occur you know because chemically they do actually affect us chemically because again that mm. mind and body is one unit so you're feeling that feeling that tactile touching of your pet feeling the emotion and all of that releases, you know, well, releases chemicals that cause the emotion. So pretty interesting. Well, it's also making me realize as you're describing this, I know I, the body work that I've been doing, coming back to the stretching, it's not entirely yoga, maybe more Tai Chi as we've been exploring, but I've been coming back to more of the body work that I've been trained in the Alexander technique. And as I've been coming back to that work without sounding, I I don't mean this to come out the I know it might sound strange the way I'm going to describe this, but I've been giving myself more permission (laughs) to touch myself. (laughs) I don't mean that in any sort of sexual way. I know what you mean. But that I have the the tools and the skills to provide myself with touch support. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly an animal can provide that. But like I, I brought some, I've been just, This week, I've been thinking a lot about play, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about some creative work that we've been percolating and and resonating with, but I've just been enjoying more play this week, and I've got my little poppet ball here. A poppet. A poppet. Poppet. Diction, Jill. No, I just thought you said puppet uh, to me. Puppet. No, I probably did sound like (laughs) puppet. Um, uh, There is actually, I actually have a puppet. There is a type of... Puppet uh-huh. called a puppet, a puppet, a puppet. Anyway, um, I have a poppet. This sounds like <laughs> okay. A, a yes. Voice diction exercise warm up. Puppet, 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 puppet. Anyway, you know, I've just been enjoying having some tactile, playful things to keep me present mm-hmm. and keep touch my body in flow and not getting frozen when I'm at the computer working or I just need a break. I've got my puppet ball mm-hmm. and my. Disney, Mickey ears, puppet uh, toy, um, and stuffed animals. So I think that there are toys and playful things that you can have in your office or in your home mm-hmm. that just remind you to be in play and and engage your senses, Melinda. Mm-hmm. I think I've just been ignoring my senses Mm. in my day to day. Mm -hmm. And the more I kind of like shake that up and invite my senses to interact Mm -hmm. in my challenges or my day to day struggles, the more it's sort of loosening me up. Mm. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I agree with you. In the mornings are probably my 
most reflective, calm time, besides now my tea time, both of which times I do take the time to taste my beverage, feel the warmth of my beverage, listen to the birds, pay attention. And I do kind of go through what I see, what I hear, what I smell. And I try to tune in. It's really interesting how many times we can spend time, for instance, outside and not recognize that the birds are singing because it just has become such a routine for us. And so sometimes when you find yourself tuning in, you're like, oh, oh, wait, these birds have been singing this whole time. And I, you know, didn't even notice. So it's pretty fascinating. And, you know, as we've talked about, we have so much information being thrown at us. We talked about that in another podcast that that we have to take in and it's got the mind has to filter it because we just don't have the capacity to pay attention to every single bit of information that is coming at us at at one time and i talked about that in another podcast which i think was a million it was like millions of amounts of data that are coming at us Mm -hmm. so our bodies really do have to filter and so sometimes we have to direct our minds and our our bodies to what we want to pay attention to in that moment. And it's really interesting because do you want to pay attention to the cold, wet ground or do you want to listen to the birds? You know, do you want to, you know what I mean? Like it's, you can listen to, and it takes you, it brings you immediately into the present moment. That's the other thing is using your senses. I was just talking to a friend today about meditating and issues meditating. And she was saying that she just gets so distracted with a lot of negative thoughts, negative mm-hmm. thoughts, negative thoughts, and she kind of starts perseverating on them and can't get them out of her head. So I said, well, what happens when you just tune into a sound or you tune into the feeling of your breath or you focus in on the feeling of the breeze on your skin? And she said, I I know that when I do that, then I become present. I stop because Mm. anything that you're thinking about that's negative, you're either thinking of something, you're worrying about something that could possibly happen in the future, or you're thinking about something that happened in the past. You're not here thinking about what's happening right here, right now. Right here, right now, you have no problems, right? Anyway, we were discussing that. And I was telling her that I have actually the last couple of days and I, again, think it's related to grief because, well, I'm gonna, I'll talk about that in a second. I'm going to not try to talk the entire podcast, but I have a couple more things to say. <laughs> what? Okay. I have been having to the last couple of days sitting down and, and focusing at all. Like I've had trouble with focus because with my dog, my dog will start barking or I'll start thinking about something I need to get done or I'll get distracted. Like I'll think, well... It's too cold out to meditate, so I'm going to go up to the workout room to meditate, and then I'll walk into my house and I'll get distracted with things. But I also think that I do that to compensate for grief. I do. I get busy. I, we've talked about that before, too. I have a tendency to get busy. And, get, and so I don't focus inward. I focus outward because I don't want to feel my emotions. That's another thing. But I think for me, too, with the grief, the thing that's so interesting with grief is that grief any any kind of time you're in a you're in that sort of primitive brain when you have an emotion that's kind of a negative emotion it's like it gloms on to other negative emotions right so i'm grieving my dog yes but it's also attaching to the grief for my 
father. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that. And the thing that really helped bring that home was I had a very vivid dream about him uh, last night and woke up and had forgotten that he had died, you know, and then I woke up and went, oh, dang, you know, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks that he was gone. Wow. I know. It, so, and I know that it's interesting because that grief, it's so fascinating how really seriously the grief of Kayla has brought up that grief back to the surface. It's a triggering event. It is a triggering event. Exactly. And so your body has, it stores emotions and memories mm-hmm. uh, and experiences. And when there are similarities, it starts connecting. We always, our brain and our body always want to connect dots. Mm-hmm. It always wants to find a, the quickest pathway to connect everything, mm-hmm. to find meaning. And so that's why I think if you've dealt with a number of traumatic or a grief loaded experiences in your life like they sometimes the 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 react your reaction to them will play out very similarly and that's a lot of what I was talking about last week where I was kind of having an event mm-hmm. and then it brought up all this other stuff and mm-hmm. I just felt like I couldn't walk through any of it and just hearing you talk is reminding me of the discoveries that I've made since our visit last week oh that's wonderful. What? Okay. Well, so because, and I'm here, I'm hearing you and I'm, I, I was having some, you know, classic Jill beating myself up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just too negative last week. I just was. Oh, in the podcast? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I realized that my body was telling me I needed to slow down. Mm-hmm. I was still healing from my fourth round of COVID mm-hmm. and the allergies and the, you know, the Austin cedar coming in. I was not able to catch up from the COVID recovery. I felt behind. Work was spiraling. My volunteer stuff was starting to really pick up. Mm-hmm. And my body was telling me, oh, uh, you're not, we're not <laughs> quite ready to go full force uh-huh. yet, Jill. You need to keep it slow. You need to pace yourself. But instead of listening to the body, mm-hmm. I was just barreling through and placing negative narratives on top of that of I'm failing. I look what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. I should be doing this. Mm-hmm. I should be doing that. I have all the tools. I'm taking all the medicine. I'm taking care of my body. It should be getting better. Mm. Eh, the body may have its own right. schedule in this. Right. So... It's just reminding me because I'm feeling finally this week, I started hitting a groove and feeling better again. Mm-hmm. And as soon as my body had the fuel and the energy and the foundation to approach life, yes. I was able to think clear, react clear, be engage with everything at a different level. And it was just a reminder so important. Sometimes your body's just not ready to go where your mind wants to go. Mm-hmm. And you got to be in tune with that. And that slowing down might bring forth feelings of discouragement or lack of worth or... Mm-hmm. Um, and just not feeling good. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing yeah. about, right, the body. We really do have to take care of our bodies. And God knows Jill and I are not... The crazy health nuts that maybe we should be. We're not as disciplined. 
but we've gone through our periods and we do notice a difference, right? And Absolutely. so, and we're trying and we're trying just like everybody else. We're doing our best and we're incorporating more healthy things into our lives. And sometimes we slip off the path and sometimes we get back on, but there's definitely a difference when we're taking really good care of our bodies yes. and we're eating well and we're sleeping. I mean, that's all so basic, right? It's things we've heard about forever and it's, so true. It's just so true. And did you know that we could take time to wake up our senses in the morning mm. or as we're approaching a new event or reinvigorate? Walk me through that. Um, so you were talking earlier about going outside and meditating mm -hmm. and listening to the birds. There's a wonderful exercise where you, if you're meditation or you find a way to get outside and just sit for a few moments, ask yourself to listen to the quietest noise that you can hear mm -hmm. for a few moments. Like I just heard a car go by, a truck go by. Then you can ask yourself to listen to the loudest noises that are about. And you can do that with the breeze. Like what's, what am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. can, can I feel the breeze? What do I smell? Do I smell anything? Ask yourself to engage and ask your senses questions and explore opposites. The key is to explore opposites and oh, get your mind searching and looking for something different. What you're trying to do is wake up that noticing, that mindfulness, what mm -hmm. Ellen Langer describes as the noticing. Yes. You're trying to get your body to notice things and to wake up. Because if we don't wake up our senses, if we don't carve out that time to wake up our senses, we can and often do spend our entire day with our senses asleep. Mm. And then we sit at the computer, not mindful in our body. Mm -hmm. Like, where am All I right. feeling my tension? If you step into any guided meditation work, a lot of meditations ask you to tune into your breath and tune right. into your body. Plant and your tense, feet on the floor. Yes. Or whatever. Tense yeah. a mm -hmm. certain part and let go of. So if we don't make a conscious choice to tune into our body and ask questions mm -hmm. of what it is experiencing, we can go through our entire day feeling like completely ignoring our body in our work. And that's, I believe, why a lot of us will spend hours at our computer and have neck problems mm -hmm. and shoulder problems and back problems and not even had gotten up and exercised and our body will have been ignored and denied in our experience. That's, you know, I'm talking a lot about the, what was talked about in the Alexander technique is bringing mindfulness, inviting your body into your day. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's an invitation, Melinda. Yeah. So inviting your body into your day, opening up your senses is going to make your day happier. You're going to be more alert. You're going to feel better. So it's a great, wonderful thing. That's amazing. So do you know how I uh, explored inviting my body into my day this week? How? Dance parties. Yes. I walked into a dance party today. I left I love the door open. Party. I was like, Melinda's going to get here, but I cannot miss these next three songs. I love it. And I, I just, I realized a while ago that I had gotten to a point where I was denying and forgetting music and song and movement in my life mm -hmm. and just listening to some 80s and 90s party music mm -hmm. woke me up mm -hmm. it is amazing what music and moving your body and dancing can do it can just make you feel so much better it's incredible it's it is really kind of magical i mean i one day i was i woke up and i wasn't feeling great and i put on a song mm-hmm 
It was a sad song, actually. Mm. And I put it on, and then I was like, is it weird that I feel really good now after listening to that song? Is that weird? But it was just the song spoke to me for some reason. Well, our meditations often talk about the mindfulness process and meditation. I One of our people that we listen to in Insight Timer, David G., talks about meeting you in the space in between. Mm. Um, it's energy. Music right. is it's true. kind of gets us in tune with that space in between that mm-hmm. we don't yet freaking have a word for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I watched last night? Uh, my husband and I were watching the documentary about the making of We Are the World. Oh. The 80s was it? Yes. Was it, it was the early 80s, right? Mm-hmm. We Are the World. It was retelling the story and it was like a lot of... A lot of the artists, like Bruce Springsteen, they were yeah. capturing video and then talking about the reliving of what that experience was like. And I was really taken by how, well, a you know, some of the top artists right of the time, yeah. of the time, mm-hmm. while also having Bob Dylan, while he they were talking about how while he wasn't super popular in the early '80s, they couldn't be doing this activist raising money without bringing Bob Dylan for sure. And he was so, he was so uncomfortable in that room with Diana Ross and Michael Jackson and all these like Cindy Lauper. He was just so, so out of place. And there was this beautiful, I'm getting sidetracked here, but I want to tell the story of how he was given a little solo and they were recording at the end and he just couldn't get his vibe going. Mm -hmm. He's I think he just felt really self-conscious, like, this is just not how I work. Like, Mm. I'm, you know, an activist singer. And Stevie Wonder sat down. They emptied the room, and they had Bob Dylan sit down with Stevie Wonder. And they they described it, you know, Stevie Wonder can mimic anything. So Stevie Wonder played... Played this the section that they were needing Bob Dylan to record, and he created a mimic of, this is how I hear a Bob Dylan voice and he kind of recreated the sound, the exact sound of Bob Dylan singing. And then Bob Dylan just copied Stevie Wonder's imitation of him. Wow. And he was so grateful and it was this beautiful moment, but watching each artist sort of find their voice Mm -hmm. and and bringing their artistry Mm -hmm. to that song Mm -hmm was beautiful and that and after the documentary my husband and I went out and we were taking our dog on a walk and I told him I said Damon I I was really really taken by Bruce Springsteen capturing his solos and you know he he had been on his born in the USA tour. So Mm -hmm. they were even talking about in the documentary, how he was losing his voice and they were all like, I don't know if he's gonna be able to scream you know, scream anything out. But he was just like doing his bruise. I remember that. I remember the video because when you see him do it, it looks like he's straining. Oh my gosh. Yes. But But when he sings, he kind of looks like he's. But when they finally got his, captured his take, Mm -hmm. I told my husband, I was like, Damon, I don't know if I have ever explored that type of creative singing. And I don't know if I could. The perfectionist in me mm-hmm. would want to shape it and make it sound pretty. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I'm getting that. Okay. I'm that's getting... a point I want to. I have a question for you. Okay. So, this is from Rick Rubin's A Creative Act. 
the book we've read for our book club, our soul nourishing book club. One of the things that he talks about is the difference between creating for yourself Uh, and creating for someone else. mm -hmm. So if you get, does your, my question is, does your perfectionism exist because you want to please yourself or because you're wondering what other people will think about it. Well, doggone it, Melinda. That was that's the question of the day. <laughs> well, there are so I've many had a lot different... of these. I've had a lot of these very similar ahas about what I do for other with the mind of other people. Yes. So um, absolutely. I think and I think as an artist, that's my first language and the language that my family lives in and work in that industry. I think the arts industry is and I talked about this a lot recently, really lost in a commodification framework and lens where if you're going to create, well, where's it going to go and what's it going to be? It's also the beauty of Burning Man. My husband made the first official Burning Man documentary, the event out in the Nevada desert where they burn the art, not Mm -hmm. all of it, but you know, the man and the temple, they, you know, spend all this time building this beautiful art and burn it to the ground. Right. To answer your question, yes. I think I trip myself up because I want two things. I think I live often with this definition in my head. If I know better, I should do better. Mm-hmm. Here I have all this training, all of my under, you know, I went to a performing arts high school, undergrad a theater program, you know, graduate mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. MFA trained actor, mm-hmm. classically trained singer and dancer. If I know better, I should do better. And I, sh- I should know how to sing. I should know how to knock this out and make that transition and glide easily through my voice break and belt out the things. So I sometimes get tripped up thinking, oh, well, people know that I'm trained. And so they, they have an expectation. Mm-hmm. And if I don't reach that, I'm failing I'm failing them, mm-hmm. failing myself, mm-hmm. all the money that I spent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and so that so I here I am left with a a sad. Re- well, you know what it happens. I think was let me see if I can yeah. put this into words for you. So what happens is, and I can't remember who was that I heard talking about this, but there was a discussion I was listening to at one point where they were talking about when creativity becomes work. Mm. When it moves into something that then it becomes work and it and it's no longer fun and play and bringing us joy because it's become and it's right along the lines of this whole idea of of commodifying art, right? It becomes a job. And when it becomes a job, the feeling, the energy around it is completely different. And so I'm wondering if maybe that's absolutely that and I think I think we've asked each other this question just with our podcast. Mm. We met every week, sometimes twice a week, just to support each other. Right. And at no point did we finish our hour-long coffee chat and go, was that a good conversation today? Right. We always left there going, oh my God, I had so many ideas. And oh my gosh, right. thank it's not where I thought the conversation was going to go. But right. gosh, I'm, that was so helpful. Or we always left our conversations feeling better then right. and right. supported. For sure. But once we started recording this and now we've got cameras rolling and you know (laughs) right like are we talking are we 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 have conversations a lot are we talking about things in a way that's helpful for others right or are we being too negative right or are we providing solutions like we even talk about this with who am i now this whole podcast is you and i right working through figuring out right who we are now right we're no we're no experts. Right. We know a lot of stuff and we are widening our circle. Right. But just in this 
realm. Mm -hmm. That little, that this is my modern dance gesture of the person yapping in your ear. Mm -hmm. That wasn't good enough or that could be better or are people going to like you? Are people going to use that? Are you going to get followers right. on your YouTube channel? We don't even have a YouTube Do we have a YouTube channel? Not yet, but we're, we, well, we're about to. We're but about you know, to. Like yes. it, it, it embeds and interferes mm-hmm. with this. So yes. And I, I so much want to play right now. And when we were having our book club this week mm-hmm. and really talking about creativity, mm-hmm. you had said just in talking prior to the book club about how much you were enjoying the spiritual aspect of yes. the creative act book. Yes. I was like, right. Oh, spiritual. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really, I mean, art feels like a spiritual mm-hmm. experience for me, but I hadn't really approached it or thought of it as a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now, now I'm wanting to do that. I want to, yeah, I want to sing just like I, you know, several podcasts ago talked about how I sang in that house and felt like I needed to just be in fellowship with her mm-hmm. and discover this song in the house. I, I want to do that. But I will say, as I start thinking those things, mm-hmm. do you know what the other image that starts to emerge? No. It's that, um, that crazy old witchy lady on that old witchy kooky lady now that wears the purple hat and does the crazy like i start then i start no but gosh jill it's all been so it's all scientifically proven when you are putting out a song and energy into the house that can be measured scientifically measured right so that energy that you're putting out exists it exists Mm. and it can actually be proven so you gotta let go of this whole witchy thing, I and mean, that's we're not anymore. Like we're not. That's not people are. I know, and the I'm people who call too- it witchy, and the people who call it woo woo are the people who are living in fear and they want to discount it because they're afraid it threatens their whatever religious beliefs or whatever. And I am, I am thoroughly enjoying the new way that women are talking about the fun, yes, and inclusive empowerment way that women are talking yes. about witchy. Um, I'm seeing f- lots of fun videos online. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what do well, you, you, you often say, I'm not a singer. I'm not mm-hmm. like, I'm what, not. like, what can you, <laughs> what might you want to explore in terms of creativity? And I'm not saying it has to be in well, society's no, definition no. of creativity, Actually, like my, music, dance. You know what's super, what I love doing is honestly putting together programs. I mean, the programs that we put together, that's where I find all my creative, editing this podcast. I love, I told you I love it. It's my creative act. I love editing this podcast. I love putting Thank together- Thank goodness someone <laughs> enjoys editing this doggone podcast and taking out all of our- Yeah, exactly. And ums, ah, uh, ah, uh, oh, oh, oh. Exactly. <laughs> So I, I mean, I think it's really fun and it feels creative to me. It activates that creative part of the brain. That's, I think, an important point. The creative part of your brain can be fired up by things like planning business, a baby shower or, 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 or like something in business. Like you might get excited about learning about the stock market or watching or figuring out like what to invest in, when. That might really 
activate your creativity. And if it does, that's awesome. So editing for some people feels like a chore, but editing for me feels fun and creative. And because I like, you know, to me, it's like I'm trying to figure out the best way to cut this and make it sound good. And so I love We don't it. cut a lot. No. Well, what I think what you're going to see is if you watch the video, you'll see a lot more raw footage than you will hear. <laughs> so that's how it's going to work. Um, so it will make you hopefully want to watch a little bit of the video for fun. But, you know, I, I love, but really, honestly, I have such passion for putting together programs and slides and doing things like to help bring, you know, more women in. This is where I'm finding my real spark of creativity and excitement. And Rick Rubin describes the creative act in many ways. But one of the things that really spoke to me was that it's your, your creativity is how you express yourself to the world. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so I'm wanting to find more ways or tune in and be grounded in how I want to express mm-hmm. my voice in the world and not, and, and be like, when I start the wheel of mm-hmm. that wasn't good or that wasn't pretty or will people disagree? You know, we, we certainly are dealing with some divisiveness and I'm not saying everything has to be on social media. Like our family is starting to do more in-person community. You know, we did a holiday show here in our driveway at Christmas time right. just for our neighbors and right. friends. So fun. Um, but I want, I want to start telling myself when those thoughts start creeping in of perfectionism, mm-hmm. was that how you wanted to express yourself in that moment? Did that, did the pure act of expressing mm-hmm. life or your reaction to the world around you bring you joy, Jill. Mm-hmm. It did? Great. Awesome. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you know, it is, I think, you know, talking in that, in those terms is also making me think he mentions that a conversation can be your creative act. Mm-hmm. And I will say that when people have reached out to me and wanted to go have coffee because they heard our podcast, I've had that happen a couple of times. It, those conversations for me, the conversations we have at book club, I mean, that is soul nourishing for me. And it is, it feels like a creative act when we feel like we're connecting in with people and being able to talk about some of the things that we have learned. That feels creative to me. So you, you said a really important word, connecting. And I know that was something that we left our book club with this week mm-hmm. was that we hadn't seen each other in couple of months. A couple of months mm-hmm. since uh, uh, right before the holidays. Christmas. Yeah. A, we were talking about creativity and catching up, but we were having fellowship in-person time together. Mm-hmm. And as we were all leaving, we were like, when are we getting together again? And when are we going to do another retreat? And mm-hmm. wanting that, we were talking more about the connection. And I, I think even when I am creating, even though those voices might creep in of judgment Mm -hmm. the sole act of unleashing my creativity knowing that that's going to go out and connect with someone Mm -hmm. i feel that power of connection just in the creation process Mm, yeah well, and if that's a positive, then that's great. As long as it's not making you sometimes, well, and he even says that in the book, right? Sometimes when you're creating for other people, 
knowing that it's going out to other people, it might shift, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. It might shift it in a great way. As long as you're not letting it limit you. That's, you know, limit you and make you feel confined, which, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, an, I think that's fantastic. So what we talked about, too, was just the importance of, you've mentioned play several times, and, you know, in these blue zones and all these people who live to be older, but they're one of the big, all these studies are showing that adults have so lost the art of play that it's really detrimental to us. We cannot stop doing things. So, you know, Jill talks about her toys or her dance in the kitchen, which I've talked about dancing in the kitchen. I mean, we doing things that are just fun and playful are so important for our longevity and our overall health. I mean, it's really important. So, you know, we, we were talking even at the, we were reminiscing at the book club about our retreat when we did some field frolicking, right? And we literally ran out into a field did airplanes, twirled, and we just, and and it was, people loved it. It was huge. And I will say, go, if you haven't explored these videos, and it seems appropriate during Black History Month, mm. go out. The idea came from these TikTok videos called Black, you know, Black Men Frolicking. Mm -hmm. And it's just beautiful these videos sort of celebrating the fact, and, and I know that there's wonderful videos out there about Black women napping or like there is a cultural inhibition of men frolicking, mm -hmm. women in, you know, Black women not having throughout history opportunities to rest. Mm. So there are these wonderful, go search, there's, there's wonderful things that our social media is doing. Yes. And right. the, and the Black men frolicking mm -hmm. Is some of the best. What's really fun about it, too, I think, is it shows you like they're often very hesitant, right? Oh, they're gotten there like, oh, I see, I'm supposed to, you know, they say to do this and I'll go try. And then as they start running around, they just start laughing and having, and that's the what discovery. it is. It's, yes. Joy. And that is what, I mean, honest to God, go outside and freaking twirl and do some airplanes. It, it is. I don't care how old you are. It is. It lifts your energy. It lifts your mood. It is so fun because it is plain. We have got to not lose this idea of play. So important. I love it. So, and I had shared this at book club for anyone that, again, we encourage you if you're looking for book recommendations, Rick Rubin's A Creative Act is, is a wonderful book that we just mm -hmm. obviously have been inspired by, but he retells the story of an early AI uh, chess uh, experiment. Yes. An experiment Sorry. or yes. you know, challenge. They were attempting to see if AI, uh, early AI computer, could beat the top chess players. But it was the Chinese version mm -hmm. of chess called Alpha... Is it AlphaGo? I think I it's AlphaGo. It was AlphaGo, yeah. And there was this Zen master and they were doing this... He had some... Not Zen master. It was like he was chess, a chess master. Chess master. Uh -huh. And the computer beat him a number of times. And Rick Rubin described the story as a certain point in the game when you're playing, a player will typically, a move that they make will either be defensive or offensive. Right. And it typically falls into those categories. And the AI didn't choose either of those typical events, it chose a completely different option. And when people have, when they've studied this mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. this event. So many different scientists and philosophers and individuals have in, in a variety of different ways from people exploring and wondering sort of what's ahead for us with the emergence of artificial intelligence. What What's going to happen? What's the future going to be like? And what they were talking about after the fact was how the AI machine wasn't inhibited with stories. Mm-hmm. Previous history and experiences right. did not prevent right. the AI from creating a framework of this is how I approach the game. Right. I can only do offense or, or defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so disorienting to this chess master that he left the room. Right. Threw up his hands and left the room. He was right. so upset. Yes. yes. I, go go and Google and you may read the story much better than my recounting. No, I think it. your recounting's great. Um, but man, did that... I remember as soon as I read that, well, A, I was in the car going, no way, no way. <laughs> that's the best story. Because right. I was like, that's it. Our human experiences in history mm-hmm. trip us up. Mm-hmm. So often Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in how we approach a new situation Mm -hmm. or repeat a situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly what we've been talking about. When we talk about feminism and we talk about the patriarchy, and one of the reasons we talk about that so much is because like in this chess experience, The idea to work offensive and defensive is so deeply ingrained in people that they can't even imagine thinking outside Mm -hmm. of that. And we, when we are talking about going through any kind of a life transition, and we are talking about trying to figure out who we are now, we have to understand who we were before that and what has been guiding us. And we have to dig way down deep. And you cannot deny that the way that the world has worked under the patriarchy, however you believe or feel about the patriarchy, regardless, it has had an effect on how both men and women behave on a very, on a deeper, deeper level than we even are cognizant of. And so it's really important to pull that up out of the well and bring it to the light and start to recognize it. And whether you decide to throw it all away or throw away part of it or hold on to it, doesn't matter. Being cognizant of it and recognizing it as part of your story will help you to move forward into a new version of yourself. Yeah. And this is where I think creativity and play can really support us. You know, whether it's approaching a a business meeting or a a leadership meeting Mm -hmm. or mapping out a new marketing plan or a birthday party or a celebration, asking yourself, how else can I do this? Or you talk a lot with me about journaling, like writing down like as many different ways as you can think to approach a thing. And right now I'm doing voice memos. (laughs) Oh, voice memos. I know. Um, I do a lot of voice memos, Yes, but I, I think I'm learning and rediscovering the power. And I know as a movement teacher and a trained movement dance dancer that getting discoveries into your body is so valuable, so important, and that your body has something to say. Mm-hmm. And there might be some thoughts inside that if loosened up <laughs> mm-hmm. could emerge. Mm-hmm. So I even tried this morning when I was setting up for 
you coming here today to, sh to record our podcast, bringing some toys and games out. Cause I wanted, I wanted to play. I right. wanted to have a playful spirit in how are you doing today? Right. And what do you want to talk about? No, I just, well, we've talked about doing a day of just kind of crazy creativity, but just maybe it involves mud or, you know, something crazy. A cape. Yeah, something. But we've talked about doing that. And I think that we need to start planning that, actually. So my son has always, ever since he was little, has always been into hats. Loves yes. hats. Yes. Has more hats than any other person I've ever known. Many, many hats. All the hats. He thinks they're going to live here when he goes off to college. Anyway, many hats. In the Rick Rubin book, I was just telling him last night, we were having a little Valentine's dinner. I didn't know the story about... Dr. Seuss. Oh my gosh, I don't remember. Remind me. It was, I think it was in the Rick Rubin's book. Oh, how Dr. Seuss. They would go and pick, he and his, he, he had loved hats. They he would had to pick out hats and stare at each other. Of yes. Hats. Yes. And he and his illustrator. Maybe it was his illustrator. Like when they were something. having a writing block, they would go into the secret hat closet. Yes. Put on weird hats. Yes. And wait for inspiration. They would, they would put on hats and literally stare at each other. Right? Isn't that what he said? Didn't he say they would put on oh hats God. and they would look at each I other? I literally almost went and got hats today. But then I was like, oh, we got our headsets on. And can we really do that? <laughs> yes. I love that. I think sometimes my husband's a playwright and a writer. And I have often for years, it's taken me some time to, in a better way, understand how he approaches the writing process. But mm -hmm. I know for years I lived with this idea, whether you were a composer or a writer, that Shit just sort of emerged and you just sort of like wrote it down. That's the spiritual part of it. You pull it out of the ether. And I just didn't realize, mm -hmm. I didn't really fully understand all the spiritual play that mm -hmm. writers mm -hmm. and composers and creatives yeah. go through. So as, as a theater creative, you know, I'm given a script. Right. And, you know, I do acting exercises sure. to get it to uh, unleash my emote my vulnerability so I can approach the emotion. But that's very different from composing a song mm -hmm. or right. writing a book. Something that did not exist is now in existence. Yes. Yeah. I've enjoyed learning a lot of the stories about how people agitate, mm -hmm. agitate their creativity. Mm -hmm. So something emerges. Yeah. I, I, maybe agitation isn't the best word, but and I shake it up a little shake bit is what you're saying. Yeah, I love that. Hats. Doing things that are not the norm. Yeah, my husband, he goes for walks. Mm -hmm. He and his writing partner, they walk it out. Mm -hmm. And then they come back and they put it all together. They walk. They got to get their body moving. Um, There's a great movie a couple years ago called The Man Who Invented Christmas about uh, Charles Dickens mm. and the writing of A Christmas Carol. Mm. And I remember when I left that movie and we were driving home and I said, that story was so silly. That's not how... That's not how it happens. And my husband looked at me. He's like, uh, oh, that's fun. so how it happens. And I was like, what? <laughs> you mean the characters kind of Just emerge kind of in your world uh -huh. and then they start yapping and then you start writing, like you go about and you get inspiration out and about. And he's like, I mean, not that he was saying it was exactly like that is, mm -hmm. but you know, he's like, that was the closest representation of how my characters emerge. And I was like, mm -hmm. Whoa. anyway, I love that creativity. Well, you know, I think also this is kind of taking it to a different, on a different path, but 
when you're talking about hats, I was just thinking about, isn't it interesting how when you put on simply doing something like putting a hat on can give you a different persona, a different feeling, makes you feel like a different person, right? I think that's so interesting. And it's, and it made me think, what would it be like if you put on a hat that brings about a certain expectation? We need and to then ha- you, And then you act opposite of that. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like that would be, because I was listening to Jason Bateman and Dak Shepard on Armchair Expert, and they were talking about directing, and they were talking about the effectiveness of filming someone who's listening as opposed to someone who's talking and how it kind of shakes things up a little bit. And you wonder, like, is something about to happen with the person who's listening? Like, what's going on? Why? Because it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable that you're not watching the person who's talking. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's, and it just made me think about sort of how do we shake things up? And I just, it's a fun kind of different creative yeah, exercise. So there is an outside in approach in acting. The inside out approach is very method, very, how do I feel? What's mm-hmm. my motivation? Outside in approach is adding outside influences that mm-hmm. affect your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And when you can shift how your body feels, mm-hmm. then oftentimes a character will, will emerge. Character actors like Daniel Day-Lewis, Meryl Streep can be, you know, character actress. Sometimes it's costumes right. or a dialect or sure. a mannerism. Gestures is a big outside in approach. I love wigs. A wig will do it to me. I I got over the pandemic, my husband and I got to do a wonderful play same time next year. And we handled the different, it was, you know, the old seventies movie with Alan Alda. And I forget the woman, other woman, two person story. There was a movie made. It wasn't Alan. Carol Burnett, was it? No. Cause she, they were in a movie series movie together about a couple. But the way we handled going through the different decades was mm-hmm. I just had different wigs. Mm-hmm. Man, you put you put a different wig on me. I'm a totally different character. Mm-mm, yeah, that's all I need. And even when I was struggling over the years, if I'm really struggling to find a character, mm-hmm. give me props, mm-hmm. a different wig, right? Some sort of different character mm-hmm. gesture to interact with a character item. You were asking what. What if, like the hat mm-hmm. scenario, what if we put different hats on? Might we be able to help our bodies explore a new way mm-hmm. of approaching yeah, life? Right. Might we be able to right. get back in touch with confidence or uh, a different way of approaching life? Mm-hmm. It is acting, mm-hmm. our acting exercises mm-hmm. a way to explore? Yeah. Aspects of our healing process, mm-hmm. aspe- aspects of our uh, raising our confidence or raising our awareness, might it trick us? Yeah, it might. I think that's a that's a really great point. And what I was kind of also thinking about was the idea of the expectations of of certain things. So the expectations of if you are wearing a newsboy hat, then. What if you're wearing a newsboy hat, but you're acting like an aristocrat, you know, an older aristocrat? And I was thinking about how 
we have certain expectations on things, even even physical things. And I was, it was just making me think about just the the shoulds. I think is what it really it all comes down to the shoulds, the expectations that we have in life, and um, and I think that might be fun to sort of try to break out of the shoulds a little bit because it's, the shoulds just so rule our lives. I was talking to someone today about one of my dearest dearest friends who I'm going to see next week. And I was saying it's so great because she does not, her husband gets up with the kids. She doesn't, she sleeps till about 10 o'clock and she doesn't overdo her schedule. She stays up late at night. She's kind of a night owl, but she doesn't over volunteer. She doesn't do, she spends, she makes sure that she has plenty of time, plenty of downtime during the day. And it's so interesting because I think in our society today, she could be very judged by mm-hmm. not not doing enough, not getting out and doing enough. But boy, she is she takes care of herself, and she's mm-hmm. very healthy in the way that she takes care of herself. And she does. Oh, if somebody needs something, she's there in a second. You know what? She's not having to drop ten things to be there for you. You know what I mean? She's uh, but she and she definitely. I don't want to make it sound like she doesn't actually help around the house. She does. She takes the. She takes the, you know, she runs the errands and takes the afternoon and the evening shift. But, um, but they, it's so wonderful the way they work together. And I love that she doesn't get caught up in the expectations of our modern society. I think it's, it's so admirable. And I, I was just have been thinking in this whole conversation we've been having, I've been thinking about her and thinking about what a great lesson that is for us. As you and I try to slow down, I have this friend who really yeah. knows how to practice that. And I hope to continue to notice more of that, look mm-hmm. around and look for more examples of how people or organizations or or things are approaching slowing down and being more purposeful and mindful in their approach to life. Yeah. I have found that even this whole thing with the tea time. So when I first started tea time, Mm -hmm. I really started worrying about what people might, I started realizing I was worried about what people might think about the fact that I am being very protective and serious about taking some time where I am going to do nothing for half an hour 45 minutes. I'm afraid to even say an hour, you know, I haven't yet done an hour because I feel so doggone guilty for taking that much time. 100%. I've got 30 minutes. I hit the 30 minute mark and I'm like, I think I gave myself enough time. I, I, yeah. I got work to do. Yeah. My internal clock is like, I can't slow down past 30 minutes. <laughs> right. Right. I know. And it's, you know, it's, we have these lists of things that we need to do, but we've done that to ourselves. I mean, I know this is a conversation I'm circling back to a conversation we've probably talked to death and I don't mean to, but it is just so fascinating. And I think it's such a chronic problem. It's probably worth talking about. We have such a, a belief, so many of us, that we have to be so busy all the time and we need to stop. I look forward to and want to include more play yes in my weeks yes in my days yes in my life mm-hmm. i want i want to create for me mm-hmm. and not worry about anyone any lens yes any lens expectation of yes. oh this is going to this has to be mm-hmm. beautiful i hope that everyone out there will 
be inspired to get out there and try something, a little something. Might feel like it's a little weird, a little uncomfortable right now, but that is what's going to help move you into this new phase of who you are now. And it might be something, you know, encourage you to to try something new. Mm -hmm. I mean, I often come back to singing or dancing. However, I can sometimes say, oh, I'm not good with my hand. Like I can't paint or I should. Actually, there is a lot of great research out there about how you should explore new creative voices Mm. and activities. So paint or sculpt or sew. Yeah. (laughs) Or cook. Knit. Or whatever. Cook. Rearrange your furniture. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Rearrange your furniture. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Thank Thank you. you for creative play today. Yes. And let us know what you might be trying and exploring out there. We love hearing from you. So email us at Soul Nourishing Nourishing Collective Collective. at gmail.com. One day. Soul Nourishing Collective at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I want to leave you with one of my favorite little like at home stuffed babies, stuffed Mm -hmm. animals from the Save a Fox Foundation. Finnegan Fox. You can go watch videos of the laughing Finnegan Fox on on YouTube. But whenever I need just a little silliness and a little love, I listen to Finnegan Fox. Finnegan Fox. Laugh. (laughs) Onward we go. Onward we go. (laughs) So cute.